It's good to be back, and thank you so much for giving me a month off, although it started this morning with a heart attack because I walked into the sanctuary and I saw all these candles here, and I associate candles with Advent because the only time we have candles up here is during Advent. And so I thought, oh my gosh, it's Advent already? What happened? And I said, I don't have an Advent message. And I was freaking out because I said, it's Christmas already. And then I looked at my watch and I go, oh, thank goodness, it's still October. Then I realized this was from the women's ministry event before it's brief time. I thought, oh my goodness, it's Christmas. What happened? Um, but, you know, I want to thank, you know, Pastor Steve for covering uh, for me while I was gone. He did a wonderful job. And for Superintendent Keith Tanita, um, who, you know, I'm on the PCJC board, so I know the tough decisions he has to make. And for him to come out here and speak to us, that was big. And then, of course, for Michael to come out and um, preach last Sunday. I really appreciated um, just the support and um, you know, I came back, and, you know, I'm still a little tired, but that has nothing to do with the job. It just has to do with my age and health issues and getting up two to three times a night to use the restroom. But I remember when I came back on Monday. I'm the only one here on Monday. I opened the door, and I looked at my office. I looked at my chair, and I felt like Captain Kirk coming back to the Enterprise after it was destroyed and looking at his seat, and I just sat down, and I go hey, this is where I belong. You know, and it gives you grounding just to be here. So thank you so much for that. And what, like it, um, Annette said, we're going to uh, talk about our vision and our values because part of it is we have a lot of uh, new people here, which is wonderful and may not understand where we're going or, you know, what's our DNA? Why do we do the things that we do? But I've also seen um, our vision really give us direction and, and bring us to where we are today. And, and so this is important, and we're going to take the next um, eight weeks talking about our vision and our core values. But if you take a look at this next slide here, this slide is a picture of Allison Wonderland. I don't know if you could see that. Oh, there you go, Alice in Wonderland. Now, this is the old cartoon. I know some of you younger people, the live-action version of that, but um, this is Alice, where she's lost in the woods. She has no idea which way she wants to go. So who does she meet? She meets the Cheshire Cat, and this is their conversation that they have. And Alice says, I wanted to ask you where I ought to go. And the Cheshire Cat replies, well, it depends on where you want to go. And Alice says, well, it doesn't really matter. And then the Cheshire Cat says, well, it, then it really doesn't matter which way you go, right? And that's, you know, there is a lot of truth in that. And young people, I want you to listen to this. If you're in high school, college, young adult, this is so important. Having a vision of where you want to go. Five, ten years is so important. Because if you're like Alice, if you're like, you know, you don't know where you want to go, right? You, you have, oh, I don't know what my major is, or I have my major, I don't know what I want to do, I don't know which I should work, you know, and you're saying, well, somebody asks you, well, where do you want to go? And then you say, well, it really doesn't matter. Well, then this is true. Then it really doesn't matter which road you take. You know, my father always told me, Dave, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it all the time. 
right? And so many young people I ask, what do you want to do? They go, well, I don't know. I don't know. And it's important that you have a vision. It may not be crystal clear, but if you have a broad vision of where you want to go, it's so important because if you don't, you're just going to be wasting time trying to figure out what you want to do. You know, pick something and at least go forward. You know, when I was um, in college, I really didn't want to know, you know, I, w- I, w- I wanted to be a business major just because I wanted to make money. Right? I knew I tried finance. I was horrible in finance. Econ, no way. You know, accounting, I got D's in both accounting one and two and had to take accounting one and two twice. So I go, no way. And so I just chose marketing just out of that was the only thing left. Right? And so, but the one thing I did know is I wanted to move up in management. So my first real job was in a carpet warehouse where I got the job because I needed the money. I, I was out of the house. I was working my way through college to try to support myself. And I was uh, cleaning floors and cleaning toilets. That was my job. But my goal, vision, was to move up to management. And so I worked hard. I worked hard. And then I became a warehouseman. You know, I got to drive a forklift and did all of that in the carpet mill. Then I became an assistant quality control supervisor. And then I became the quality control supervisor. And then I graduated Cal State Long Beach. But when I graduated, they wanted me to stay and become the um, director of production in charge of all of the carpet production. Right? And I said, well, no, I'm a marketing major, and I don't know a whole lot about production of carpet. So I went to this um, airline. It's a small German charter airline. And once again, I started at the bottom. You know, do you want smoking or non-smoking? L.A. to Frankfurt, L.A. to Dusseldorf, L.A. to Munich, because we only flew to those three cities, right? And so, but my goal was, vision was what? To move up to, to management. And then I worked hard, and then I worked became the director of marketing. And then, but I said, you know what? I wanted to work with a bigger airline. And so I went to work for Continental. Once again, I started off at the bottom, smoking or known smoking. Are you going to check how many bags are you going to check, right? Um, And and at the bottom level. But I worked really hard. Why? Because I had a vision that I wanted to move up into management. And so, once again, that kind of guided me to where I became an assistant supervisor, a supervisor. And then when I left to go into the ministry, I was what you call an acting shift manager, where I was in charge of the ticket counter, baggage service, and the gate area for my shift. But that vision of moving up into management, even though I was in all these crazy different industries, you know, guided and directed me. So I knew what I wanted to do. Right, And even though I was in all these crazy different um, industries, God was using that, what? To build skills, to develop skills in me that he knew that I would need in the pastorate. And so this is why having that vision in your life is so important. It doesn't have to be crystal clear, but at least know where you want to go. Or more importantly, where you believe God wants you to go. Because back then, my vision was just based on materialism. (laughs) But if I were to do it all over again, I would have said, God, what's your vision for me? God, where do you want me to go? 
And a vision statement communicates what an organization or person wants to become or what they want to accomplish. And that's all it is. And I know for some of you who have been in, you know, businesses like I have, the mission statement and vision statement, they're just words on a plaque, right? It's like, okay, yeah, they did it, and it really doesn't mean anything because the company really isn't adhering to those. However, if you adhere to those, it gives you direction on where you want to go. And where's the history of this? Well, in 2013, I had been the pastor here for about four and a half years, right? And um, I, I, th- I felt the church was doing well, and, but I really didn't have any data on how the church was doing. And so what we did is we had a company called Reveal come, and they did a church-wide survey to see how we were doing spiritually. And I couldn't wait um, to get the results. And basically, they had three categories of churches. They had thriving average, and struggling. Well, at that time, I thought, hey, we were on the high um, side of average, you know, just ready to just kick the door open and start moving, right? And so I got the results back, and I got a D (laughs) as a pastor. And that was really hard for me, because I've gotten Ds before, you know, like in school, but a lot of times it's just because I didn't study, And I kind of knew I'd get a D. But I was really trying. I was working really hard. And my first grades as a pastor, it was a D. You know, I looked at our church because our church grade was a 60. And that was in the struggling section. And at first I was mad because, oh, these guys don't know what they're talking about. They're not here. I'm here. I know our church, right? But I didn't know what to do with that. I said, my first job as a lead pastor, I got a D, right? And so uh, I was questioning myself. I said, do I even belong here? Should I be here? Should I go back to a larger church? Do I belong on staff at a larger church? Because I came from a larger church, and when you're on staff, you really only do one thing. I was just in charge of community life. wasn't in charge of finance the buildings, mission, or anything. It was just one thing, a lot easier. And so um, I didn't know what to do with this. My image took a huge, huge hit where I said, man, God, you know, I thought I was doing everything right. You know, I was working, I was praying, and then I get a D. And so I thought, well, there's several things I could do. Okay, my natural nature came in. I could bury the results, you know, and not just tell you. Because you know what? Most of you who were here, you forgot we even took that. You know, so I said, well, you know, they're not, if they're not going to ask me, I'm not going to tell them, right? Or I said, maybe I could spin the results. Because we did get a lot of areas where we did well. Then I could say, well, you know what? The survey came back and it said we're doing this and this and this and this well, right? Or I could say, you know what? I could say, well, these are the results, This is where our church is right now. It's time to get to work and come up with a game plan to improve. And I took the ladder. But, you know, I was struggling because I didn't know what to do because it seemed like all my efforts led to me getting a D as a pastor. And so I remember I, I sought out somebody I respected in Chet Yoshizaki, who's sitting right there, who normally sits right there, but faked me out today. I was looking, where is this guy, you know? Um, but I sought him out, and I said, Chet, I said, what do I do? 
you know, I, I want this church to thrive. I love this church, but, you know, I just got a D. And so when Chet and I started this partnership, and then he came up with, hey, this is what we need, is we need a vision, and we need core values. And he talked about culture, meaning he said, you know, all of us have worked for companies where vision and um, mission, they're all there. But they all just say what they want to be. Culture is who you really are as an organization. So we started to work on culture. But where, and with his help over the years, you know, he put us on this trajectory to where we are today, where I can honestly say that I think we're on the low end of thriving as a church. And I'm not saying that because I did. I'm saying that because the Holy Spirit did it and you, you all did it. Right, And it was that vision, I think, that coalesced us as a church and got us to that point. Because before, you know, my concern was that people would think that we were a friendly church. And so people would come and say, you know what, Mission Valley is such a friendly church. But recently I've been hearing comments that from people who just come who said, you know what, I feel the presence of God here. Or the Holy Spirit's presence here is really powerful. Those are the comments that now I want to hear. That because of what you're doing, because of that, the fact that you love Jesus and you're growing, people are sensing the presence of God here. And, and this is what the vision did. And so thank you so much, Chet, for getting us on that you know, trajectory to where we are today. Right? But we still have work to do. We still have work to do. But if you take a look at our vision statement, it's being a loving community that invites and challenges people to live like Christ. And so the first um, part of our um, vision statement is is being loving. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because love is the foundation of our faith. Love is the foundation of our faith. Not works and not knowledge. Right? Because so many of us use knowledge as that foundation, that if I just know more, then that's good enough. But what do we see? We see, no, it's love is the foundation of our faith. And, G- and we see this in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, 40, where it says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And so Jesus was talking to the Jews, and he was talking to them in terms of the Old Testament Torah, right? And he said, all the laws that we see in the Old Testament can hang on these two things. And there was like over 600 of them, right? Is what? Love God and love your neighbor. He said, everything falls under that, right? He says the greatest commandment is to not to know God to the best of your ability. It's not to know the Torah or the law to the best of your ability. What is he saying? Our faith has always been founded on what? Loving God and loving your neighbor. So we see that love is at the foundation of our faith. Love is at the heart of our salvation, and you all know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What? 
God knew that we needed a Savior. He knew that right when Adam and Eve sinned, right? But what caused him to give us a sa- uh, send us his son to die for us on the cross so that we could have salvation? It was love. It was his love for us. Because if you take a look at the word agape, which is the love that we're talking about when we use for God. It's always focused on the goodwill of the other person, meaning that God in his love for us always, 100% of the time, wants the best for us, that his love for us is predicated on the fact that he wants the best for us. Now, you may not believe that. You may not feel that. You might be going through some tough times and you're saying, well, I don't get this. But we know that agape, the love God has, always seeks for our best. And it's always exhibited in action. Now, this is important. It's always exhibited in action. Because how many times have you said, oh, I I love this or I love you, and it was just up here, right? There was no action attached to that. Whenever God uses love, there's always action attached to that. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, right? He couldn't have said, oh, I love you guys, but oh, you guys just messed up. You know, you guys just keep messing up. No, his love for us, number one, had our best interest in mind. And number two, it was what? Backed up by action. Sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross. Love is the proof of our salvation, not knowledge, love is a proof of our salvation. And Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Once again, our, if we love Jesus, what? It's shown in action, in obeying him. And he goes on in John thirteen thirty five. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you... Love one another. Once again, how, do, how is the world going to know that we're Jesus' disciples? Because we know a lot about him? Because we read our Bible and over our years we've accumulated a lot of knowledge? Now, don't get me wrong. Reading your Bible is extremely important. It's vital for your health. It's vital for your spiritual growth. If you don't read your a Bible every day, you're never going to grow spiritually. You need to be into the Word of God, right? But it's more than just reading the Word. It's applying the Word in your life. That's what the Scriptures are for, not for you just to build up knowledge, right? Because the Apostle Paul says, you know, when you accumulate all of this knowledge, what does it do? It just puffs you up. It makes you arrogant. But we have the Scriptures in order to do what? To allow the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. And we do that by applying it in our lives. And so what Jesus is saying here is that you want to have proof. You want people to know. You want to know if you are my disciple or not. It's if you what? Show this agape love to one another. And we're going to talk to that. And it says, without love, our works have no value. The Apostle Paul says, starting from 1 Corinthians 13.1, If I speak of tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, 
I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. It's kind of like when, you know, Michael's playing his drums up here and he hits that cymbal. You know, it's just, you know, and it sounds good when he's playing, but when he was growing up and you had those in the house and he would hit them because you'd be practicing some cymbals work, it's like, ah, you know, you know, because he had to practice that. But if it's just cymbals, uh, it's hard on the ears. Right? It's hard on the ears. Now, coupled with everything else, hey, it sounds great. But this is what God is saying. Is he said, you could do all of these things, but if you don't have love, if love isn't the foundation of what you do, love for Jesus isn't the foundation of what you do. Love for the other person isn't the foundation of what you do. You're just like banging this symbol, and God's just like holding his ears and going, ah, you know? That's how important love is. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that could move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. He says, you could do all of these wonderful things, but if your foundation isn't love, then what does Paul say? I am nothing. Everything you do doesn't count. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. This is important here because a lot of us are spending a lot of our time serving the Lord, whether it's at church, whether it's at a parachurch organization, maybe it's at work or whatnot. But as you serve the Lord... We really need to check, why are we doing this? Is it love for God? Or is it so we could feel good about ourselves that we're doing something good? Is it love for our neighbor? Because if love for God or if love for na- our neighbor isn't a part of what we're doing, what does Paul say? We gain nothing. It's useless. This is how important Love is. And this is why we have it in our vision statement. Because we're not just about doing stuff here. Because we could have wonderful programs here. We could have a great children's ministry, family ministry, youth program, or worship, or whatnot. But if we have, don't have love, it's meaningless. It's worthless. And this is why we have that in our vision statement. So the question is, okay, so we're supposed to love. Well, how do we do that? How do we define love? Well, the good thing is that Paul also describes what this love is. If 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and remember this one, it keeps no record of wrongs, right? Love does not hold, you know, people's offenses against them. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Isn't this a wonderful verse? But a lot of times, what do we just use this verse for? Weddings. 
right? Pastor Dave, could you read this verse at our wedding ceremony? Sure. But a lot of times when we look at this verse, we just think, oh, those are for wedding couples. You know, this is the verse, but it doesn't apply to us. You want to know what agape love is. You want to know what it means to love God and love your neighbor. You know what Mission Valley defines love as when it says being a loving community. This is the list that we use, right? This is the list that we use. If you want your relationships to work, whether it's husband and wife, parent, child, or you know, the people, you know, coworker or extended family members, this is it right here. Just do this. Love as Paul outlined it in 1 Corinthians 13. Even if you don't want to, even if it don't, you don't feel like it, do it. Because a lot of times, you, this is a tough list, right? And that, this is why I think most of us like to keep it at weddings, right? And not for our personal life. Because if you take a look at that list and you're thinking, this is how God wants me to love, man, that's hard. And it is. <laughs> it is. You can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you notice, there are no conditions to this. It doesn't say only love people like this when they love you or when you feel like it. And you know the tough part, the toughest part of this list is when Jesus says, love your enemies. This is a list that he's talking about. I want you to think of somebody that irritates you right now. <laughs> no elbowing, just think of it in your mind. <laughs> Apply this list to them. What's going on in you right now? Is it like, oh my goodness, no way. I don't want to do this. This is crazy. This is impossible, right? But that's what Jesus asks of us. When he says, love your neighbor, this list in 1 Corinthians 13 is what he's talking about. And it's hard. Because he wants, because there might be people in your life who have done something to hurt you. Right? And rightfully so. You, you, you should get upset about that because you shouldn't have been treated like that. But how does God want you to respond? God wants all of us to respond in 1 Corinthians 13, which is not easy. But this is the task he sets before us. Even if that person, the object, will not reciprocate, it doesn't matter. If you want to see, if you want to see your life changed, if you want to see the Holy Spirit transform your life, 1 Corinthians 13, show that to people that irk you, that irritate you, who have harmed you, who have sinned against you. This is the love that God wants us to show to others. And if you keep doing that, and it's going to be hard, and maybe your heart's not going to be in the right place when you first start doing this. But you'll notice a change in yourself. 
you'll notice a change in the way you view the other person, even though they're not reciprocating. That's not a condition here. Paul says, you want to know how to love. You want to know what it means to love God and love you. It's this right here. And, you know, when I, we first came out with our vision statement and our values, working with Chet, I was really just happy that we got them, you know, because I thought, all right, this is going to put us on the right tra- trajectory. But over the years, you know, as I was looking at them, I go, man, this is really hard. <laughs> we are asking you to be a part of a very difficult mission and vision, to love like this. That's hard. The next part is to be in community. Being in community with people isn't easy. The next part is inviting. You know, that's hard. What if I get rejected? Challenging. Oh, I like to compliment somebody else, but oh, challenge them. Oh, oh, you know, that's hard. And then our values are connect, care, call, encourage. A lot of times they just flip, you know, just roll off of our tongue. But when you think about them and how I explain it to us over the next eight weeks, you're going to find out that this is difficult. But you know, that's good. Because when we do something difficult, in order for us to live out this vision for the next five to ten years, in order to create a culture of discipleship, that you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, that you become more like him, it's going to take perseverance. And to do this, maybe one time is easy, maybe even two or three times. But if you're saying, this is how I have to live our life as an individual and as a church, it's very difficult. I mean, it's challenging for me, and that's the hard part. You know, even talking with Chet, I go, man, do we have to put this in? Because I'm not sure I could even do this. You know, but part of it is, you know, as we prayed about this, as we prayed about what is going to frame the activity of Mission Valley, this is what we came up with. But I've seen, I've seen how we've applied this and how it's changed your lives. You know, it just, I just can't tell you how overjoyed I am to see where we are today and the love that you have for Christ. But you know what? We always improve. And this is what the vision is meant to. It's meant to say, okay, we were here. Now we're here. But now we, gotta get, we have to get over here. And this is going to help us uh, do that. And so this is why we wanted all of us to do this and to understand where we're going. Because like I said, this isn't easy. It's going to take perseverance. So I'm glad our life groups are looking at going through this, and I'm glad all of you are here. At least you know where we're going. So what's our weekly challenge? Our weekly challenge is to read Matthew 22, 37 through 40, John 3, 16, John 14, 23, John 13, 35, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8 every single day. Okay, I see some of you using your phones. The rest of you, did you just memorize what I just said? Could you remember that? Yeah, get your phones out and take a picture of this, unless, unless you have a better memory than me. But you're going to be going over this in your life groups too. So if you're in your life group, I'll, I'll cut you a little bit slack. It says, do you have a spiritual vision for yourself and your family? This is important. 
You know, young people, do you have a spiritual vision for you? Do you even know where God wants you to be in the next five years? Are you even asking God, God, where do you want me to be in the next five years? Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to use my time in order to glorify you in the next five years? You know, parents, do you have a spiritual vision for your children? That's extremely important. You know, we all have a vision for our kids. We, we all do. And because none of us just say, okay, well, do whatever you want. Whatever happens, happens. You know, we don't do that. We have a vision for them. But what's the vision? Do you have a spiritual vision for your children so that they could become more like Jesus Christ? If you don't have one, at least start thinking about it to create one. You know, think of ways you can actively participate in helping Mission Valley accomplish its vision. Because we can't do that without you. We can't do that without you. And finally, out of the characteristics of love listed in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, which one do you struggle applying in your life? Because none of us, none of us are experts at applying that list 100% of our life. And as I read them, I know instinctively in the back of your head, you said, ugh. So whatever word came up that made you say, ugh, right? I want you to take steps to improve in this area. And the way you do that is to just do it. Nike's um, Logan, just do it. You may not feel like doing it, but what are we called to do? Obey God only when we feel like it? No. We are to live in obedience to God, and this is how God wants us to live. This is how God wants us to love, knowing that none of us are perfect, and yes, you're going to fail, and this is where God's grace and forgiveness comes in, but he also wants us to be at least intentional about obeying him. Parents, be intentionable, intentional about trying to come up with a spiritual vision for your children. You know, young people, be intentional about coming up with a spiritual vision for yourself and your career and where do you think God wants you to go in the next five years because if you don't I guarantee in five years you might be in the same place where you are today and I could tell you that because I've been there right well I don't know and if you don't have that vision five years from now you're going to be in the same place that you are today let's pray and worship team please come forward gracious heavenly father We know that being a loving person is not easy. And Lord, we have our own definition of what love is. But Father, when we compare it to the definition that you gave to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, we take a look at that and we wonder, you know, can we do that? But Father... Your word says that we love because you first loved us. And that it is possible for us to love like that through the power of the Holy Spirit. We just have to make the choice to do so. So as you sit here right now, and I just want you to reflect on that list. If there are people in your lives right now where you just had a negative reaction to any of those words on Paul's list or phrase because of your relation to them. 
spend a few moments asking God to have his Holy Spirit work on this area in your life. And that can you make that commitment to say, God, I'm going to try to love this person the way you outlined in 1 Corinthians 13. So just take a few moments to do that. Father, love is the foundation of our faith. You know, loving you and loving our neighbor. That hasn't changed. And yet, Father, it is so difficult. When we look at that list, or when I look at that list, I can't tell you how many times I've failed. You know, in my marriage and me being a father, a friend, a pastor. But Father, I thank you so much that there is grace, forgiveness, and mercy. But Father, I pray that each one of us here will really take 1 Corinthians 13 to heart that we just don't see it as something that is said at a wedding or for newlyweds. It's something that you want us to exhibit each and every day. And when we fail, Father, we know you want us, you'll pick us up, and you want us to continue to move forward. And Father, you want us to love like this even though we don't feel like it even though that there are people in our lives right now that it just angers us to think that we have to love them like this. But Father, this is how you love us. And your love sent your son, compelled you to send your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Even though you knew that the majority of people would reject your son's sacrifice. So, Lord, we thank you so much that what you ask us to do, that you've given us an example of how to do it. And that, Father, that you would give us the strength to do that. Thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.